We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am excited to have Andrew Terry on the program. He's in his 24th year in education. He graduated from the University of Kentucky with a Spanish degree and received his master's in education in 1999. He began as a Spanish teacher at the middle and high school levels before moving into administration in 2006. In 2016, he became the principal at Anchorage Public School in the Louisville, Kentucky area and has been there now for seven years. Andrew, welcome to Transformative Principal. I'm excited to have you. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, I'm excited. You come highly recommended from our friends at Pick My Kid, said that you were an amazing principal, and you did a great implementation with their product, so they were happy to to share that with me. And sometimes, uh, you know, that's where we get our, our guest ideas from, is from people who say, this guy's awesome, and so I'm glad that we can chat. So I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Pick My Kid first, and then we'll talk about some high-quality instructional resources, which seems to be the latest buzzword in education that seems to be going around. So we'll get into that. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, adoption of Pick My Kid and how that went and what it was like before you started using that? Yeah, so um, you know when I first came into the school district, uh, one of the charges that my superintendent gave me was to um, observe, look at uh, dismissal um, procedures here at Anchorage and, uh, and then make a decision on how we can um, improve upon uh, that, that, those procedures. So, you know, I came in and uh, we are in a small little area. It's a, it is, we have no buses. Our kids, a lot of our kids can walk to school, ride their bikes to school. It's a very little park setting. 
um, a little Mayberry, if you'd say. <laughs> and so they, um, it, it was, it was kind of chaotic. I'll be honest with you. Kids were just getting into cars. Uh, we didn't know, I didn't, you know, know who was getting into what cars, kids that were walking, you know, somebody would say, Hey, just jump in Johnny, I'll take you home. And they would jump in the vehicle and go home. And so it was a little scary, you know, from a, from an administrative stance, uh, trying to figure out who's where, um, whose car they're getting into. Did we, did they get home? Did, are they with the right person? Are they, you know, so it was just a lot. Going so on. Andrew, that, that seems like it's kind of a natural thing to happen. Right. And so why why was your superintendent telling you to focus on that when you become the new principal? Usually they'd be like behaviors out of control or teachers aren't teaching the right stuff or the scores aren't good. But he's telling you to focus on on dismissal. That seems strange to me. <laughs> well, one of the things that you look at as an administrator, there's a you know, obviously there's a few areas. But one of the big areas is, is and, I, and, you know, and she, you know, uh, Dr. Ransdale came up with several things, but um, one of the big things she said is hiring. You want to hire the right people. Uh -huh. um, you know, if you hire the right people, a lot of times your instructional practices take care, you know, take care of that takes care of a lot of issues. Yeah. The next thing is safety, you know, from a superintendent stance. And I get it from a superintendent stance. Uh, if you don't have a safe school, you've got kids that are coming and not feeling safe coming into the building. You got teachers that are not feeling safe coming in and uh, and out. And so safety dismissal, that's that was a big area because you don't know where your kids are going. You're not assured where your kids are going. Do we have somebody getting picked up by somebody they shouldn't? Um, are we putting them in the wrong car? Do we know where they're headed? Um, that's just a safety issue right there. So I think that was why that was a big focus. And and. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like you said, outsider looking in just real quick, you go, that's awesome, you know, that you have such a cool little community that they can just get into a car and neighbors to take them home and watch from them and everybody's looking out for everybody, but just takes one incident of a kid getting into the wrong vehicle. And then all of a sudden, what looked really cool and awesome is no longer awesome. Yeah. And, and those those stories are the things that get remembered and ingrained in people's eyes and perceptions of the school. And that becomes a big negative when everything else could be going great and everything probably is going great and it's a wonderful little community. But then when that kind of stuff happens, it can completely tarnish that for a long time for everybody. Right. And it's not, it's not something that's just going to go away and, um, people are going to remember that this happened at the school for as long as they live there. And it sounds like it's not a very transient community and everybody knows each other pretty well. So those things would have a huge negative impact on the school. And unfortunately, we are living in a world where those things do happen. Absolutely. And so, so you can't overlook that. And as much as um, we want school to be this great little community where nothing bad ever happens, the reality is that something could. And as an administrator, like you mentioned, you can't ignore that or think it's not going to happen here and you've got to do something about it. So pretty chaotic before like everybody going everywhere. Why did you adopt pick my kid instead of putting other procedures in place? as I started investigating and seeing what is out there from a dismissal stance um, for, for schools, 
pick my kids stood out in it's not it's simplicity but it's accuracy in the dismissal process um we actually did uh had it narrowed down to you know several different companies with pick my kid being there and it was it was just as i had the committee uh with my superintendent myself and several teachers and some parents on the committee um pick my kid just just stood out to all of us and it was the it was the easy pick um and so yeah we selected pick my kid and started implementation um basically the following school year um you know we waited because we were went through the process of selection um during that school year and then started implementation the following school year um and it's just been um gravy ever since it's really been uh, good. It was, it was definitely a transition for our parents. And we had some parents that balked at us because now all yeah. of a sudden they're having to, what do you mean? I have to do this before I come into this, you know, as I come onto the property and push this button and enter in this change. And, and uh, so it was, it was definitely a change for our parents. Um, our teachers loved it immediately. They felt so much comfortable um, and at ease at dismissal because they could see this kid is going there. This kid is going here. They're they're staying in one of our after school activities, or they're a walker, or they're a car rider, whatever it was. Yeah. So this this doesn't prevent those things from happening. That kids can still walk home, ride their bikes. They can still get in a neighbor's car. The difference is, is that people are aware that that's happening. Right? Is that a fair way to to say that? That is exactly right. It what had nothing to do with how the kids were getting home. They still got home the same manner. Uh, but it had everything to do with we knew exactly where our kids were and the parents did because the parents get a notification. The second that we dismiss the student, parents get a notification saying Johnny has, you know, has walked is has been dismissed as an independent walker or Susie has been dismissed to the front carpool to get in the car. Um, and so, yes, all of the ways that kids got home still remain the same. But the fact that we and the parents were aware of those uh, of those interactions. Yeah, this is something that I find really fascinating because communication between school and family is so important, but it can be incredibly cumbersome. And this is a way that communication happens automatically, right? So you don't have to you don't have to do anything different other than dismiss the kid to let the parent know that the kids heading home and and all that. And that, that to me is like the holy grail of school home communication, that it's not an extra burden on the staff at school, that it's actually just part of their daily work that, you know, when you put a grade in the computer, then it updates it on the parents' side immediately, and you don't have to send an email saying, I updated the grade, they can just go and check, right? So how has that aspect helped the communication overall in your school, if at all? Yeah, no, it's the same thing with us. So you think of it from this, you know, no longer do we have the days of a, a note getting sent in with uh, Johnny or Susie. And I hate to keep using Johnny and Susie because, you know, they're so popular, but um, no longer <laughs> do you have the, yeah, no longer do you have the date, the days where Johnny and Susie's mom's writing a note and putting it in their, in their, in their backpack and it gets forgotten, yeah. you know? Uh, so then, you know, Johnny's got a note that he's supposed to go to after school homework help and but it the you know it's notes sitting in his bag teacher doesn't know that teacher's dismissing him the same way and everybody's now all of a sudden we're looking well johnny usually walks home but he's not walking home where is he 
And so the parent, rather than writing the note, can do an immediate change through the app, get on there, make a change from my, Johnny's usually an independent walker, but I need him to go to homework help at your school. Boom, they change it. It happens automatically. It's in our system. We see it, they see it, no issues. Yeah, and then he's walking home after school, after the after school thing, and you can then notify the parent that he's on his way home without exactly. doing something in addition to what you're already doing. Exactly, you got yeah. it. So can parents also submit, like, my kid's going to be absent today through the same thing? They can. Parents can do, um, um, they can communicate on the front end as well um, if they wanted to. Now, I will say that we as a school have, um, because we use an infant and campus program that is statewide, state mandated. Mm -hmm. So from an attendance stance, there's actually an arrival system that Pick My Kid uses. We opted not to use that only because we have to use the state mandated uh information system tracking system so it was kind of i didn't want our teachers to have to do double work as far as that's concerned yeah that makes sense i definitely don't want to do double work that is <laughs> that is the worst um so like i had to check my daughter out of school for a for a doctor's appointment last week and i had to call the school i had to uh, go to their phone message system and hit the little number to go to the right place for the right attendance based on her last name and then I had, my only option was to leave a message. I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't uh, do anything. And I just felt it was so cumbersome to communicate with the school that it was almost like, I don't even want to. I'd rather just like text her teacher and say, I'm at the back door, send her out the back door. Uh, <laughs> because that, that would have been a lot easier. And I know her teacher and have his cell phone number so I could do that. And that's something where... Uh, being able to to do that seems like it'd be much easier. Being able to send a little message saying my kid's staying after school today instead of coming home seems like a dream because when the teacher pulls that up and she says, oh, sorry, Johnny, you're not going home. You go to the homework place, right? Exactly, exactly. And it is beautiful. And it's really our kids have access. It's, um, you know, we have the smart boards and everything in the classroom. So at the end of the day, teacher just pulls, pulls it up on the smart board. The kid mm. can actually see themselves immediately. And they'll look and they'll have a question like, oh, I'm supposed to be a car rider. Well, it looks like not now. You're going to the chess club today because mom has signed you up and you're going to chess club. They, they, so the kids have really become proficient with, you, they don't even have to go to the teacher anymore. At the end of that day, when dismissal is happening, they can see it on the board immediately. I'm supposed to go here. I'm supposed to go there. Or I'm dismissed, whatever, whatever manner. So if there's a change, they see it. Yeah. So I don't know how prevalent cell phones are for kids in your school, but um, but they are getting younger and younger. And so it's more common um, being able to have that communication happen uh, with the parents and the teacher rather than sending a text or a call to the kid in the middle of class is probably probably a good thing. Also, is that happening in your school? Yeah. And, and because cell phones are not allowed out during the uh -huh. school day in our school, um, it definitely is. I mean, we, you know, uh, if, a, if a parent sends a text message to a kid, A, that, that cell phone better be put away in their, in their locker or their backpack or their, or their you know, their book nook uh, uh -huh. area. Uh, because if, they, if, they, if they're caught with it, there's a consequence for having that cell phone out. So now this alleviates that where parents don't feel the need to, hey, let me text uh, Susie. She needs to go to homework help rather than walk home. They can just put it in the system and it, and it alleviates that, that, 
I need to check my phone because my mom or dad are going to text me something. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. So what would be your advice if somebody's looking at pick my kid and and wants to use that uh what what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, I would tell them to go through the same process that we went through. I think that you'll see that that um for us pick my kid just stood out. I would definitely recommend um you know, having a committee, not doing that making that decision on your own, but involving some parents, involving some teachers who are going to be using the system and then of course the administration that has to understand it as well. Um, because that helped us in those conversations that we were having. Parents were able to say from the get-go, that system looks like something that I can use and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. The teachers were able to say that same thing. We obviously were able to say that same thing and came together to make that decision. And like I said, pick my kid just stood out to us. So that would be my number one recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Going through a process to, to adopt something new. You mentioned that some of the parents balked at you. What was the what was the way that you helped them see that this was worthwhile? Uh, the reality was time. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, it's anytime you have change, anything that's new, and especially in our community, you know, we talked about uh, the community here and, and it is not transient. I mean, I literally have um, the schools over 115 years old. So I have grandparents, parents, and now the children that are in school coming to school here. Um, families will move back specifically that have gone to school here so that their kids can go to school here. So change is not something that our clientele likes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and I get that a lot. Like, well, when I was at school here and I'm like 80 years ago, you didn't even right. have a cell phone. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that was the big thing is just that time. Um, that time to, uh, to get used to it because it was just something different. Now, People don't even think about it. My new families that came in, like my kindergarten families that first year, they didn't know anything different. They're like, this is fantastic. Yeah. It was, it was my families that had been here for seven, eight, nine years with multiple kids that were like, oh, this is so weird. Why do we have to do this? Yeah. You know, that's a funny thing with any kind of change. So I was principal of a school in Fairbanks, as I was mentioned before, and it was a middle school and we had about half or so of our students who were military connected. So they would a third of them would leave every year and we'd get a new third every year. And then we had about half who were uh, in the community and there was some transiency. So, you know, we probably kept about maybe a, a third of our students each year. And so whenever we talked about doing something new, it was like, look, we can totally change this because kids won't know anything different. And because they've never been here before. So two thirds of our of our kids are going to be new this year. We can make changes and they won't know anything different. The parents who have had kids here before will know something different and the teachers will know something's different. But one of my counselors would say, now we're doing something different this year and this is what it's going to look like. And I said, you can just cut off that. We're doing something different. And so this is what it's going to look like because they don't know what it used to look like. You don't even have to say that. And and just cut that out of your vocabulary because it doesn't really matter because nobody knows. And that was a really eye-opening thing to really look at how many people were actually here last year versus this year and recognize that it was a very small number and those changes did not have to be quite as challenging. Now, a K-6 school that's been in the neighborhood for 115 years, that's, that's a little different. But 
you know, it's the same kind of idea that kindergartners, I bet brand new kindergarten parents who are worried about leaving their kids and, and not knowing, like not communicating with them. I'm sure that that was a big salve to them as well. Amazing for them, especially yeah. those new families as they're dropping off their, their new baby. And like I said, safety being a big deal for our schools. Um, that was huge for them. So now people don't even blink at it. Um, you know, it's, it is, it is part of the process and everybody, everybody's on board and it's a great thing that we got. Yeah. Now, heaven forbid something does happen that mm. causes you to have to go to a different site and release kids, um, in a strategic way. You have that system built in already and you can know exactly how to do that. And I think that that's, uh, that's really good. Does this, has this factored into your communicate emergency communications plan or anything like that? It, it absolutely has. So, um, along with the pick my kid, um, there's the, the kiddio portion is what they call it. And it's a communication system that's utilized, um, internally for our teachers. So rather than me trying to fumble around or have a, a group text that can fit everybody on there, um, the Kidio app allows me to communicate to every staff member as well as our police force that's right across the street. So that if there's some kind of issue, um, emergency, um, and we utilize it for practice with fire, fire drills, everything that we do, we're able to communicate to the entire staff immediately via that system. And if we needed to, to parents as well. So um, it really is, is uh, something that has just revolutionized um, our, our systems, our procedures and our processes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's really fantastic. So let's transition a little bit and talk about high quality instructional resources. So yeah. I have, I've probably heard that HQIR 10 to 15 times in the last two or three weeks and talking with people all over the country as I do. Um, what do you think is driving that idea of having high quality instructional resources? Looking at, at our student population and, and really trying to figure out how we can get every student, no matter uh, what level, no matter the struggles or the enrichment, making sure that every student is getting what they need uh, instructionally. And so, um, you know, the HQIRs and, and, and having that, that evidence-based um, data that's supporting selections that we're using to support our kids, I think is key and number one. Number two, I think it's, it's making sure that there's consistency uh, within our classrooms. So, uh, you know, you as a former principal probably know this, like you hate, you hate it when you hear, you know, in class A, this is happening and in class B, this is happening. And I've got, you know, two third grade level classes and different things are, you know, occurring within those classes. So. Um, everything's data now, everything's data today. So looking at data, we're diving in, how can we make sure that, you know, you know, Mrs. So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so's kids in different third grade classes are getting the same level of instruction. And so the HQIR helps to provide that. Mm -hmm. So define, define what HQIR is. We know it's high quality instructional resources, but how do you know that it's actually high quality? Because a lot of people can say that it's high quality and when you actually get it, maybe it's not quite so much. So how do you, how do you know that it's high quality and what you're looking for as a school? Right, right. Great question. Um, and I really, like I said, through this process, have learned myself and I'm, I'm sitting here going through my mental Rolodex on the names, but so I may not get the names right. So I'll just kind of speak vaguely, but there are several 
different websites that you can go to and check to see um, the levels that um, um, different programs or resources that you're using are rated based off of a standard that's produced nationally. And then as well as how they interact with our state standards. And so I think that's key because everything that we do is driven by our state standards. And so we have to find a resource that's not only evidence-based that's, that's showing you know, high quality, but is also linked to our, our state standards because that's what we have to teach off of. So those two measures and, and looking at um, different um, resources that are out there, internet resources that are out there that will help us um, determine, okay, this, this, is a, this is green, which is good, or this is red, we wanna stay away from that, um, provides that level of consistency that we're looking for to help selection. Yeah, so one of the things that I that I hear you kind of mentioning, but not exact explicitly saying, is that there's there's also this level of you know in the old days we'd adopt a basil and that would be the book that we would use for everything, um, but now there's internet resources, there's lots of stuff out there that is you know specific books that are focused on different things, and there are the small books and there are basil still, and there's the, all the internet resources. Does HQIR combine all of that together, um, or is it really focusing on internet resources or the physical books, or what, what do they do there? Yeah, so when you're looking at um, the HQIRs, there's different levels, for example. So um, obviously the easiest for these companies to really rate and for our state to really rate um, are textbooks. Textbooks are going to be the easiest because you're going to be able to really see where they pull in their data from. How are they making those connections? So that's kind of your primary HQIR. Then you have what you call secondary resources or secondary HQIRs that really come in and help support. So that could be a website uh, that's out there or um, a tool that's used to help with intervention, the company that utilizes tools to help support. They may not have the same level as the primary HQIR uh, as that textbook would, but it's been vetted through and it will have a level that will say, yes, along with your primary, this is something that will work and, and will help support your students. Uh, maybe independently, not so much, but as a secondary resource, absolutely. Okay. I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah, I, I think that was that was a good start in the right direction. I think what what I'm gonna need is is that website that you use to to see what aligned with you in your uh, state. Because um, as this, you know, becomes more popular, uh, people are going to need those resources to to be able to find them and know where they can go to trust and things like that. So we've always had intervention and acceleration or enrichment materials that you know we've used, and and what I found um, is that when a teacher could get behind it, that oftentimes overrode the evidence base of it um, and let me explain uh, so if a teacher is not on board and doesn't think that something's going to work it's not going to work um, even if you know she quote unquote implements it with fidelity it's it's still not necessarily going to work um, because she she gives off this vibe that this is not worthwhile and I've experienced that and I've had uh, teachers adopt materials that are not um, you know, evidence-based and vetted and, you know, they're just something that they think will work. And because they believe in it, they, it, then it, it, it does work and it does help. And so 
you've got to find this balance between those things of somebody believing in something and thinking it's going to work and somebody having evidence that it's going to work. And, you know, I had a, a math teacher who adopted a, like a, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was like karate math or something like that. And there were like belt levels associated with it. And this teacher adopted it and she did great with it because she, she believed that it would work. And it was the supplemental thing, not our regular uh, textbook or anything like that, but something that helped. Another good example of that is Desmos, which is this great tool, especially for uh, higher level mathematics that really helped in a lot of different ways. But um, when when we adopted it, when it was early, uh, it wasn't really vetted very well as a high quality instructional resource. At this point now, it is, but back then it really wasn't um, because it was so new and they were still figuring a lot of things out. So how do you balance those two things? And whenever you have that website, you can share it and we'll put it in the show notes, um, even if that's after this. But how do you awesome. how do you balance those two things of teachers believing in it and and getting behind it and teachers, you know, saying this program is never going to be what I expect it to be? So I'll go back to, um, you know, and since the process that we went through with, um, you know, with Pick My Kid, it's the same kind of strategy. Um, and not only not only do we want our teachers to buy in, which I 1000%, if the teachers don't believe, then it, it's pretty difficult to implement. Yeah. Um, but then also having parents involved in that decision-making process as well, not to the same extent, but uh, having them involved in that process as well gets some buy-in from the community. And so in, 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 in our process of trying to figure out what we wanted to select, um, you know, teachers were at, the, were at the forefront. They were at the guts of it. So first thing we had to do was figure out what is our philosophy in specific areas. So for us right now, it was reading and writing. Um, so what do we believe as a school? And then once we figured out what that looked like for us, those, that was our North Star. That was our guiding, that was our guidepost. And everything that we looked at, what, whatever textbook, whatever HQIR we were looking at, had to fit within that North Star, that guide. And so with the teachers so vested in it, that made it easier. And I know not all the teachers were in it, but it was vetted out with a nice portion of our teachers who then shared that information out. The buy-in was so much more there when we made the selection that we made. Teachers were on board and they're pouring into it and they're, they're, they're wanting the training and they're soaking it all up. So I think that's key um, to kind of help with the situation that you're, the, the example that you gave. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think that's really a, a very good a way to approach it because you give people the opportunity to say this is this matters and this is what we're looking for and to have that buy-in from the very beginning um anything else that you want to want to say about these hqirs that that we haven't talked about yet so the so that i found the website i was always as we were going what works clearinghouse um is the is the the resource that we use to vet through um, and then, uh, and then Ed reports is another one we used a little bit as a secondary, but, but really it was that what works clearinghouse was probably the main, the main resource that we use that would vet through the HQIRs. Um, and they have it broken down into the, to the different areas, literacy, mathematics, science, you can check into, they don't have every core content area, but they have the main, you know, literacy and math tend to be, especially at the elementary level, um, huge for, for us. So WWC. Okay. What works clearinghouse? Good. I have uh, used that before, so I'm glad that's something that that's something that I'm aware of. 
Um, what's just interesting to me is how the uh, the the HQIR word has started coming up. It, it's just fascinating to me how how things change and yet they stay the same. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I I think what you're doing at your school is awesome. I I'm excited to to stay in touch with you and continue learning from you um, about what you do. Um, is there anything else that you want to say that we haven't gotten to yet? I, I just really appreciate the opportunity. I, I appreciate it. Pick my kid um, recommending me. I, I feel humbled that they, that they put me out there, but really, um, you know, I just, I, I happen to be blessed and surrounded by a great staff here at Anchorage. And I appreciate people like you doing what you're doing too, getting word out on some cool Thanks. things that are happening. Yeah, I appreciate it. I said, don't just send me somebody who's only doing cool stuff with Pick My Kid. I want to know right. somebody who's a great principal and doing good stuff with Pick My Kid. And they said, well, that's all of our principals. And I said, well, you got to choose one who's doing awesome <laughs> stuff. And so, yeah, this was good. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. And um, this has been a great time. And uh, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to me or to Andrew. And uh, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jethro. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.